everybody, and welcome back to Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. It is Friday. That means it's Godzilla. My name is William Bibiani. Everybody calls me Bibbs. I'm a critic. Very nice. Thank you. My, uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I too am a critic. Or as you may call me, Steve Martin. <laughs> or as they call him this, this week, Martin. Just Martin, Mr. Mr. Martin. Just Mr. They're very Martin. careful. Very because careful. Something something happened between the release of Godzilla in 1954 uh-huh. and the movie Godzilla 1985. Something very important, something very special, and something was, that changed the face of cinema forever. And it was the rise to fame of a comedian named Steve Martin. We will get to this in a second, and if you if you mm. can't follow along, we will let you know. Uh, yeah, this is our Godzilla podcast here at uh, the critically acclaimed network. We're reviewing every single film in the Godzilla series in order. Uh, last week, we talked about the return of Godzilla, which, appropriately enough, was in the movie called The Return of Godzilla. And um, he had taken a break uh, from the mid-70s to the mid-1980s and had a proper reboot that ignored every film in the series except the original uh, it was a uh, pretty serious, pretty satisfying uh, uh, disaster movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, much like the original Gojira back in 1954, uh, it was released in America, dubbed with a lot cut out, the plot changed slightly, and new American characters added into the mix because America makes everything about us, don't we? Uh, so At this point, I'm wondering, though, how much of it was... We have to make it about ourselves, which is, you know, at least 90% of the equation. I think it's subconscious of nothing else. And how much of it was, we, we kind of have to cover our own asses from what we did 30 years earlier. <laughs> like we just have, you know what, we, we did it 30 years ago, we just gotta, we gotta keep yeah. going, we gotta keep going. Uh, they brought back Raymond Burr, who was their uh, big American star, who was uh, edited into Gojira in uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters in 1956. Also, uh, the original uh, Return of Godzilla, uh, the date has been changed of the original film. Yes. So that instead of saying, oh yeah, Godzilla attacked in 1954 and it was a horrible tragedy, uh, in Godzilla 1985, like, oh yeah, Godzilla attacked in 1956 when Raymond Burr was there. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Raymond Burr, uh, you may remember him from such uh, films as uh, Rear Window or uh, such TV shows as... Um, Perry Mason? I almost said Matlock. Yeah, it was Perry Mason. Ma- how dare you? What? <laughs> not you even... They're, they're decades apart. They're not similar at all. They both have vowels. Um, <laughs> they have M names. They have M names. Mason and Matlock. I, I suppose so. That, I am off the hook. Completely forget. No, you are not. Dang it. Uh, uh, anyway. I, I, I love Perry Mason, by the way. Sure. Uh, I think we mentioned this when we did Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, yeah, uh, Raymond Burr is a very good actor. He, he's he, he's one of those actors that sort of just sort of carries the authority with him. He doesn't have to like give a, a very broad performance yeah. to capture your attention. He's got a nice, thick, and, uh, dramatic voice. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's got a way of just sort of standing there and looking important, even if he's not doing anything. Yeah, he, he just, he has that. He and exudes he, it. If you haven't seen the old Perry Mason show, mm. watch Perry Mason, because it, it's excellent. I haven't seen any of that new Perry Mason show, mm. which evidently is more like the books ah. that the first show is based on. Uh, Peshaw. 
and it's on HBO, so I'm Who sure they just reads? cuss all the time. I'm sure it's nothing but it's nothing but naughty words and. I'm oh, sorry, not and, HBO. And, it's it's and called it's just called Maxwell now or Maxwell oh. House, whatever they call it now. <laughs> yes, yes. HBO is still a network. It's the streaming service that's Max. Oh, with me. Excuse. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, just scooting my chair a little bit. Uh, in case you were wondering where that noise was, that was Whitney. He was scooting his chair a little bit. Um, <laughs> it wasn't Foley. That was a good chair scoot. Yeah. Uh, they. Uh, so. Okay. So. Return of Godzilla came out. Uh, the Godzilla movies had made a decent amount of money in America, and so Toho was trying to shop the movie around, and they were hoping to get it released by a major studio. This did not happen. And it ended up being released by New World. New World, which was uh, mostly sort of a genre, uh, sort of canon rival. Well, doing a lot well, of... No, canon was a rival to New World. Because New, New World was the child of AIP, American International, which is Corman's company. Well, I didn't, I didn't mean to imply that it came second. I just All meant right. they were in the same business. So uh, the, if you're the, unfamiliar with New World, New, because New World, you might know yeah, it was American New, New World Pictures was owned by Roger Corman. It, it's best known for weirdly, like... A lot of really horrible, super low budget schlock. Yeah. As well as, uh, like super prestige, uh, international pictures. Yeah. Like that was a big way that uh, Corman made a lot of his money back in the day. Was he would you know make these really cheesy B movies, but also like call the international cinema scene and like release stuff into art houses. Yeah. So it was like the sublime and the ridiculous at the same time. Yeah. So. Uh... New World acquired the rights. They edited it down uh, a sizable amount of it. It's like 15, 20 minutes shorter. Um, uh, the, the original was 105 minutes. Yeah, this is like Japanese. 80. This is 87 minutes. And okay, that's so, with the American footage. Added. Yeah. 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 So they so, cut so a we got lot like more than half of, the mo- half of the original movie is in this one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, they wanted to uh, add an American star. Apparently, the original idea was to bring in Lorne Green as a new character. And then they were like, you know Raymond Burr's alive, right? <laughs> so why don't we just get Raymond Burr? And Raymond Burr, who was was very gung-ho about it, he took it very, very seriously, except, and this is something I, I only just learned, uh, he was very serious about it. He resisted their uh, uh, urge to make all the American footage funny. Like oh, in a more okay. of a, in more of like a Leslie Nielsen kind of vibe, like a bunch mm-hmm. of Americans saying funny. And there's still some like, dorky jokes and one-liners that survived the, into the film. I, mean, I guess the mid-80s, there were a lot of slapstick comedy films just out yeah, there. Yeah, well, there was, there oh, was some also, concern that the movie couldn't be taken seriously. Well, and... I, I, you know, that makes sense, because uh, when you think about sort of how Godzilla proliferated yeah. from uh, the 1970s up in, like, in the ensuing nine years, mm-hmm. a lot of these movies started to run on TV, like late-night uh, yeah. UHF stations, like public access TV, that kind of stuff, local yeah. stations, and... Um, those ones were always dubbed. They were always shortened. Uh, they and Godzilla sort of acquired this reputa- reputation, maybe right during this period, from 1975 to 1985, of being high camp, being yeah. really kind of silly. Maybe that's where we get this idea in the United States that Godzilla movies are just campy schlock. Well, also when they were released over here, they were they were dubbed not always very well. Yeah. You know, it would, they weren't... Uh, they were cut uh, down for yeah. TV broadcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you gotta remember, the original Gojira wasn't released in its original form in America for until, decades. Until 2005. Yeah, so the majority of the Godzilla films people were familiar with were either the Americanized, very awkward Godzilla King of the Monsters, still pretty good, but mostly because of the original footage, not because of anything the Americans did to it. Uh, and then the increasingly odd, sometimes campy, 
uh, follow-ups. So the idea that Godzilla would be taken seriously uh, is... Maybe the allegory could be appreciated, but I'm pretty sure just in the execution wasn't terribly respected by a lot of people. So they wanted to play into that, and Raymond Burr said no. Raymond Burr also said that he would do the, the, the new American footage, and there was like three, maybe three and a half days of, of shooting mm. for the new American footage. Uh, but he'd only do one. So, <laughs> so they <laughs> shot they, him. They literally had him for a day. Yeah, they had him for like a day, and then I think like like half a day to do some footage in like a house. Uh, they, uh, a lot of it is... A lot of the, the, the new American footage is in a, like a command center, like in Doctor Strangelove. Which is so clearly a soundstage. Oh, yes. Like, they didn't even bother to dress it up. It's just this black space. It looks yeah. like a black box theater with a yeah. Dr. Pepper machine in like, it. It's, it's got those lights that blink out of sequence that looked kind of official looking in the 1980s. Yeah. But it's always just like, what does that do exactly? Well, Maybe, that lets uh, you know when... Things are out of sequence, I guess. Uh, maybe I can tell this story. Um, yeah. I, I interned for Roger Corman for a couple of years. Yeah. And um, after two years of being an unpaid intern at Roger Corman, so I would get a couple bucks here and there if, if I worked as a receptionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the, At the end of two years, Roger Corman himself, like the big guy, called me into his office. And it was very intimidating because mm. he's a tall guy with a deep voice and also he's Roger Corman. Yeah. He's like, you've been here for a while. What are we going to do with you? <laughs> It's like, I have an idea. We're going to give you a job. It's like, oh, great. You're going to hire me. I get to stay. I get to work at your company. No, no, no. You, you get to work on a movie and you're done. Okay. And <laughs> they were shooting. you out, but you'll yeah, get one game. And, and of course, they're, they're shooting movies all the time. And they shot a movie called When Eagles Strike with Stacey Keach. Mm. Um, look it up. One uh, of the better Keeches. <laughs> he's a Keech. Uh, <laughs> and... I couldn't tell you anything about When Eagles Strike because I wasn't able to find it after it was done. I don't know where if it exists anywhere. I'm looking this Surely up. Surely it's been done. I think it was like released in Serbia or something. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Do you remember what year this would have been? This would have been like 2001, 2002, around there. Okay, hold on. Uh, this is a while back. But, uh... Here we go. Yeah, when um, Eagles Strike released in 2004. It wasn't released until 2004. Yeah. Okay, they shot it in 2001. Oh my God. Or at least they shot Stacey Keach's footage. Maybe they shot some other things overseas, remixed other movies. That's what Corman tended to do. But uh, he gave me a job. It was two days, paid like PA on this job. And of course, like if you've ever worked on a movie set, it's really boring. It's just a lot of waiting around. I was sent to people's cars to get like water and stuff, and they paid me like 50 bucks a day, and that was it. <laughs> then you're out but, the door. Uh, but you know what? They had another military installation just like the one in Godzilla 1985. It was a black box uh-huh. with some, like, netting across the ceiling and the walls to make it look like the interior of, like, maybe some field tent. <laughs> and Stacy Keach, who's always been very game, he's a yeah. very game actor, came in, he's, you know, he gave his lines, he gave, did, a, did a couple of rendi- uh, different ways to do the takes, and, and that was it. Stacy Keach was there for two days and he was gone. Yeah. That's what you do. You get yeah. the you get the big actor for a short amount of time, so you don't have to pay him so much. Yeah. But you film around them just enough. Hopefully, they either have like one big scene that is like sounds really cool. They get a good speech, or they explain the plot or something, so they can put them in the trailer. Or they shoot enough material that they can sprinkle them throughout the movie. Uh, one story I had heard was in the movie Red Sonia, 
which was a Dino De Laurentiis joint, and he had struck gold with Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Uh, which was... Arnold Schwarzenegger had been in movies before and even starred in one, but that was the one that I was like, everyone was like, oh shit, this guy's a superstar. He's yeah. he's, a, he's like really a, a charismatic screen presence. He's a superhero yeah. on screen. Like he's gigantic and he's got presence. Holy shit, let's do this. Um, that movie was a hit. They made Conan the Destroyer, which did okay. wasn't as well received. Uh, I like it better, but... I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I know some people... I, I get into, like, if you'll see sometimes on Twitter, I get into, like, a... Uh, a bit of a snit with uh, fellow critic Drew McQueenie. They just announced <laughs> they just announced that they're releasing Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer on 4K, and okay. he was very excited, like, "Oh, good, finally Conan the Destroyer on uh, Conan the Barbarian on 4K." And I'm like, "Yeah, and Conan the Destroyer." And he's like, he "Crumbled." I don't, no, no, he was just like, "What's that?" <laughs> I was like, "It's that movie they made as a sequel." They never made a sequel. Oh, <laughs> he refuses to tish. acknowledge its existence. It's hilarious to me. Hey, hey, it's a fun movie. It's not know, as good, uh, but it's fun. I know Drew McQueenie is not listening. He'd be very surprised. But, uh, Drew, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> Conan the Destroyer is excellent. It is It is the pulp comic that we needed out of the first one, which yeah. was heady and, and turgid. I have a lot of respect for Drew McQueenie. Sometimes we differ as critics. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that was a success, and so they did Red Sonia, which is a character, actually, who, even though... Uh, uh, Robert E. Howard, who created uh, Conan the Destroyer, had written a story with a character named Red Sonia. Totally different character, lived in a totally different time period. The version that made it into the movie was based on the Marvel Comics. They didn't really credit the Marvel Comics, but technically that's the first feature-length live-action uh, theatrically released movie, Marvel yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, in any case, they'd got Arnold Schwarzenegger to agree to do a small part I think he was on there thing for like a couple of days just to like be a cool guy and they can like, you know, help sell the movie like a little bit. Uh, but they filmed his material in just such a way that he's in most of the movie. <laughs> he's, he's a proper co-star. In fact, he's first credited and he's not the title character. And this isn't like Brando in <laughs> Superman where he's bringing all this dignity. It's like, no, they're just pretending it's a Schwarzenegger joint. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's such crap. It's not fair yeah, at all. At the New Beverly once, we had an all-night Schwarzenegger thon. Oh, yeah. And when they do those things at the New Beverly, they don't announce what the films are. You have to wait until the, the yeah, title comes out. It will be a Schwarzenegger yeah, joint, but we don't know you, what. You know it's a Schwarzenegger movie. You don't yeah. know what you're going to get. And... Um, what did they show like initially like? Uh, and, and some of the more predictable ones like they showed Commando they showed yeah. the Terminator um, yeah. they showed like Red Heat you know something a little okay a little, a little sli- off, slightly a little less popular field. but um, fun yeah and then around like the one the first one that like after the midnight show so this was like 1.30am oh. so people are like you need something to really juice them up that's when you drop in like Terminator 2 or something yeah something really, really, really uh, yeah, action packed total recall and or, yeah the, the scroll started at the bottom of the screen. It's a text crawl, and it yeah. said her name was Red Sonia. I was in the, the projection booth, and I could hear from the booth just people go, "Oh!" And I could see people get up and leave. It's like, no, we're not sticking around for Red Sonia. Anyway, Raymond Burr, back to Raymond Burr. Godzilla Raymond Burr came back for this movie, and we'll talk about how he was sprinkled into the film. But yeah, he was there too. Add some continuity. I appreciate the effort that mm. they went into it to like try to actually connect yeah, it. Yeah, but they have a Godzilla expert. That's yeah. kind of his role in the movie now. The, uh, he was just a reporter in the first film. He was, and uh, he, in this one, they explicitly say, and and 
they call him in to be a Godzilla expert, and they explicitly say, and I think this is a, a pretty good way to put a Band-Aid on that, because, like, okay. why are you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they say he's the only American who was in uh, uh, Tokyo at the time who survived. Yeah, so he's, like, the only fair, yeah. person in the United States of America who has first-hand experience with Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Okay! Yeah. Sure, yeah. It's and a, the, it's, you, you bring in the one person who was there and knew a little bit about it. That makes we, sense. We, we've joked before about how past Godzilla movies follow a very specific formula. There's 30 minutes of build-up, yeah. then Godzilla appears. Uh, then there's a 30-minute period where the two monsters in the movie are slowly walking toward each other. <laughs> it's like and a Dragon then, Ball episode. And then the th- last third is just the fight, the mayhem, monster mayhem. Yeah. Uh, 30 minutes into this movie, that's when Raymond Burr shows up. <laughs> That's not strictly and then, true. And then the second 30 minutes is he and Godzilla lumbering toward each other. <laughs> That's not strictly true, because what happens in this movie, and we we did the whole run-through of Return of Godzilla, and there's, there's stuff that they changed and cut out, but the gist is the, the same. The story is basically the same. The, they didn't drastically alter the tale, just like the, with the 54 yeah, movie. Yeah, the basic setup yeah. is similar. Um there's, uh, they, they don't go into a big deal about the volcanic eruptions, but basically, uh, there's a, a fishing boat out at sea, uh, they run into some tough water, and a and it's storm, just, and... It's just like a cold open in this yeah. one, it's very brief. Yeah, they don't even have, like, a, did you know that there were all these things? No, just, boom, fishing boat. And it, it's in the middle of a storm, and they're near an island, and then the island, like, breaks open, and it's Godzilla, and that's pretty cool. You don't really get a good look at him, but it's, the, the scale is sold. And he attacks the ship off camera. And then we cut to Raymond Burr's living room. <laughs> and it just, all of a sudden, like, the lightning flashes and you see his eyes. He's been ha- he's been activated. <laughs> it's, it's like in, um, uh, I, I realize now what they did with Raymond Burr was they made him into Dr. Loomis from Halloween. More or less, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the guy they bring in who knows the who has personal experience with them and knows more about them. The difference is that Dr. Loomis hates Michael Myers and thinks that he's evil and must be stopped, at least in most versions of the story. Uh, Raymond Burr, surprisingly, uh, has pity for Godzilla. He considers Godzilla to be a destructive force that needs to be stopped, but just a cog in the machinery that is... Mm-hmm. Uh, man's sort of undue influence on nature and the atom. Uh, And so he's the one who's... And so we keep cutting to the Pentagon. And he says things like, oh yeah, so we must find a way not to... We we can't just hit him with nuclear bombs. He can't be killed that way. We must find Mm. out what he wants. Absolutely nothing that he says... Freudian way. What does Godzilla want? I can appreciate that, and that's actually a fair question. He's an animal. Animals do things for reasons. You know, they're looking for food. They're looking for shelter. They're trying to procreate. They they don't just do whatever. They have a motivation, and to figure out what that is could be useful. But at no point do they do that, or really follow his advice, or really do literally anything except the one thing they did in the original movie because they don't have that footage. They have no footage of Americans doing anything. Yeah. So it's just keeping cutting back to them, acting like they're really important and actually doing something, but what they're really doing is watching Return of Godzilla and commenting and, on it. And the original Godzilla. A little bit of the original yeah, Godzilla they even cut well. in some of the original footage. As if it was like, documentary yeah. footage captured at the time. Yeah. Well, um, they had a reporter on the ground. They did, actually. That's, that's, not, un- that's not unfair, mm-hmm. but... Um, 
But they also, uh, there's one side character who's like Johnny in Airplane who has all the jokes. And he's yeah, like yeah, looking yeah. at a picture of Godzilla. It's like, ah, look at this guy. He's so handsome. Yes, I can I can really appreciate how great this monster is. And then his boss like flips the photograph over because he was looking at it upside down. <laughs> there's a scene. How droll. There's a scene where Godzilla is destroying Tokyo, untold damage and lives lost. And he's just like, Ah, yes, uh, uh, pretty pretty heavy housing redevelopment they have over there in Tokyo. And then the camera pans to Raymond Burr going, this fucking guy. <laughs> this fucking guy. And Raymond Burr wasn't supposed to be on camera. That was just an organic reaction. Perhaps not. An actor. Uh, but there's one other thing they have in the Pentagon, and this is very important. Not everyone knows this about the Pentagon. Full of Dr. Pepper machines. Really? What, what, was, that, what was that name again? Dr. Pepper. It turns out, Doctor. Let me get this right. Pepper. Not a sponsor. By the way. <laughs> Not a sponsor of us. By the way, I wouldn't turn that down. I actually enjoy Doctor Pepper. I, I was like watching Dr. this movie. Fine. I was watching as, this as movie, a, and, as soda pops go. I was yeah. watching this movie and seeing everyone drinking Doctor Pepper because apparently Doctor Pepper spent like ten million dollars in like oh, a cross promotional yeah. advertising for this well, thing. And, and in fact, uh, there were Doctor Pepper TV ads. Yeah, I was about to mention that, but like, yeah. So Doctor Pepper had used Godzilla. In a TV ad. It's black and white. Godzilla's attacking a city. It's not the official Godzilla. They clearly made it in America, but they're not pretending it's anything else. And Godzilla is attacking a city, and he keeps picking up, like, tankers. But the tanker says things like, cola. Yeah. And he drinks the cola, and he's like, ah! And then he picks up one that says, like, lemonade. Mm. And the this reporter, who was actually, um, uh, she played Corey Feldman's sister in Friday the 13th, part four, um, oh, like golly. Uh, Kimberly um, Beck. Kimberly right. Beck. Uh, Kimberly Beck is watching this devastation. Is there nothing this that can quench this monster's thirst? And then he picks up a giant Dr. Pepper, which is in color, of course, and he chugs it. And then everyone else is going, that's a good idea. We should also have a Dr. Pepper. And then they drink a Dr. Pepper, and everyone's just like, hmm, Dr. Pepper. I enjoy it. I never understood why Dr. Pepper didn't taste like pepper. Um... Pepper is a pretty open phrase. It can mean any number of ki- kinds of plants. Can it? Yeah. When you when you many, ask, there are when, many when kinds ask, of peppers. When you ask, like a black pepper. Okay, which pepper does Dr. Pepper taste like? Uh, it's supposed to say like tastes like black cherry, from what I understand. Yeah, I think it's got like it's, it also tastes always tastes like it's got some cinnamon in it or something. Something like that. It, yeah, but it it's clearly not called. Pepper drink. Yeah. It's called Dr. Pepper, clearly named after a person. So you're saying so that Dr. Pepper there, was invented a by, a, by a professional yes. uh, uh, practitioner of medicine. Some, somebody went to medical school uh-huh. or, or, you know, just has or, an advanced degree in soda making. You don't have to be a I'm medical doctor up to be Dr. a doctor. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. Carbonated soft drink. Dr. Jennifer Pepper, you know, whatever yeah. her name is. It so. was invented by a pharmacist. It was invented by pharmacist Charles Alderton. In Waco, Texas, Charles in 1885. Alderton Pepper? No, just Charles Alderton. Uh, the, the food, I actually the, don't know why it's called Dr. The Pepper. The American Food and Drug Administration has ruled that Dr. Pepper is technically not a cola, mm-hmm. a root beer, or a fruit-flavored soft drink. Yeah, it's its own thing. It's its own weird-ass thing. Anyway, I that's not even there. Uh, uh, that part I did know. Yeah. That, it, that it doesn't count as a root beer or, or as a cola. I didn't know that, actually. So we're, we're learning a lot of things today. Thank you, Godzilla 1985. Dr. Pepper threw money at this. 
And they put in the Pentagon, as they're like walking into the war room right behind everybody, a clearly and brightly lit, Hmm. clearly labeled, brightly lit, Dr. Pepper soda machine. When was the last time you saw one of those? Oh, they're still around. They're, they're Dr. Pepper there. exclusively, like just on the front. I've never, yeah, I almost never well, see that. I see soda machines I, I with guess, Dr. Pepper I guess in it. I, guess I don't see one that the, like, has a giant yeah. Dr. Pepper sign on it the size of the machine. As if it's the, exclusively Well, I mean, the Dr. design's Pepper. a little different, but they still have like a single drink logo at the top. Mm-hmm. At certain machines. At the top, they're, they're still I'm talking around, about yeah. the entire machine is an advertisement for Dr. Pepper. Mm-hmm. I don't see that often. And Anyway... People keep drinking these Dr. Peppers. There's a scene at the end where, like, oh, uh, we've just defeated Godzilla and everything's going to be okay. And we're panning over the Americans going, like, oh, what a, what a relief. We we came so close to total nuclear annihilation. And then the guy, who I'm just going to call Johnny, because uh, he's the same guy from Airplane, is chugging a Dr. Pepper <laughs> in the middle of the scene, which is <laughs> fucking hilarious to me. Um, I, we can all appreciate that product placement is a thing. Like... People use products in their daily lives. Yeah, uh, I I'm using a, a, a laptop that I'm not going to advertise for. But I'm using a laptop that is a, from a certain a recognizable company. brand. Yeah, yeah, if you were in the room with me, you would see the brand logo. I have a TV that is from a recognizable brand. If you were in my living room, you would see that brand logo. Um, but you you choose what you're going to film very carefully. In a movie, and you decide what you're going to highlight, and usually you don't go out of your way to highlight little details in the production design <clears throat> or props that your characters use, uh, because you don't want that to distract from what's really important in the scene. Mm-hmm. So okay. anytime it's distracting, okay. if it's subtle, it's just like, oh yeah, we just happen to, you know, we're in New York City, Times Square is full of advertising, we got a shot of the Coca-Cola sign. Yeah. Okay. What are you going to do? Like, that's that's not the end of the world. Like, we can all appreciate that that's pretty organic. But then, like, if there's, like, a shot of James Bond looking at his watch and it's just the Nikon logo or whatever the yeah. fuck it is. Not, Nikon makes what, uh, makes cameras. What, what's a... What's a Rolex, yeah, Rolex. Rolex. Yeah. Rolex. Like, all of a sudden, Rolex takes up half the fucking screen. You're going, okay, well, fuck you. And every time that well, happens... I, I blame like, Joan Crawford for that crap. But, well, um, I don't think she invented it, but she sure no, as hell but she, it. She, she made it shameless, is what she did. Joan Crawford, the Oscar-winning star of Mildred Pierce, mm. movie superstar going going on decades, uh, she married... What's it, was it, like, the president or the CEO yeah, of like Pepsi? like the CEO of Pepsi, yeah. Yeah, someone who ran Pepsi. And from that point on, when she did like movies and TV, she went out of her way to include Pepsi. Yeah, like every it, you'll, time. you'll see in the background of all of her shots, it's yeah. like a case of Pepsi in the background yeah. of these movies. Bless her for it. Uh, you know, you know what? Team player, <laughs> right? She didn't have to do that. Uh, or or sellout Joan, hack. However, Joan you want Crawford, to it, yeah. notorious, famous, famously easy to get along with. And, <laughs> and a, willing to a, work a with kind, you on laid-back person, really copacetic on all of her sets. Yeah. If you, very if, generous performer. Yeah. If you're if you're picking up on a twinge of irony, look her up. <laughs> and if you don't know what we're talking about, we're not going to get into those weeds. Uh, but uh, look uh, her up. Uh, I, I forgot his name. Alfred Steele was his yeah. name, and yeah, he was the chairman of the board on uh, for yeah. PepsiCo. Oh, so it was Frank Sinatra for a second. He was the Frank Sinatra of PepsiCo. Because they used to call Frank Sinatra oh the chairman God. of the board. They did. They used to call I, him. I, that. I know. It's just a terrible joke. <laughs> who's, who's joking? Um. Anyway, uh, so 
Raymond Burr is activated. They bring him into the Pentagon and he says portentous things. And when we're done with this episode, I'm going to read his closing monologue because it's unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> he he plays too late that man was a feeling creature. It, it's, uh, it's seriously like he's trying to sell it, but it's utterly comical. And I got a huge laugh out of it. Uh, he, he's very portentous. He's the one who yeah. compares Godzilla to a force of nature. Uh, yeah. He says, you know, we, we can't treat Godzilla like it's an enemy soldier. We have to treat Godzilla like it's a hurricane. Yeah. But then he says immediately thereafter, but we have to figure out what Godzilla wants. Yeah, like what well, hurricanes yeah. want. You know? Remember the last time we negotiated with a hurricane and got what we wanted out of it? Um, oh, hey, kitty. Yeah, Luca wants Lu- in on the podcast. Luca wants a little, little attention. having a good time here. Uh, and also, mm. there's a line that's not in Return of Godzilla, mm. but they did write into the American dialogue. Yeah. That actually patches up a big continuity problem. Uh, which one are you thinking uh, Well... Godzilla was killed at the end of oh, yeah. Gojira. Yeah. And then... Vaporized. Uh, yeah. And we we saw footage of a skeleton. Yeah. And uh, so Godzilla was dead. Yeah. Skeletonized. But then uh, in Godzilla Raids again, Godzilla's back. Mm. Did Godzilla grow back somehow? No, they actually posit that's a second creature. Yeah. It's a different monster. Yeah. And it'll they, be essentially... One was created, why not another? Yeah, and, and it'll be that monster, that second Godzilla, that will follow for the rest of the Showa era. Luca, um, no, thank you. In this one, they say, we tried to destroy Godzilla, but we never found the body. There you go. Another Halloween reference. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, you know, it's X-Files rules. No body, no death. Yeah. So, um... That's yeah, just pop culture rules. Yeah, really. yeah, and yeah. any movie, if any movie... Somebody plunks you don't off see, a cliff and you don't see yeah. them anymore? If, you, yeah. if anyone dies off camera, they're fine. I don't mm. care if it takes them two seasons to come back. They will come back. Yeah. Every fucking time. Because eventually your writer will realize, oh, we never saw that. Even if it wasn't intentional, the writers will realize, oh, we never saw them die. We can just have them come back. Yeah. And so they will. Every fucking time. Although, at the beginning of Saw 4, we get to see uh, John Kramer's autopsy. Yeah. And they, like, like... In they pull out his brain. They pull out his, his brain. They cut off his head. Like they're just it's, pulling apart. He is dead. It's clearly <laughs> trying to show you. No, no, no. We killed him. We swear to God. They regretted they that. St- ever since. They still brought him back time they, and again. And they've admitted that that was a huge mistake. They fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> because that was, they could not keep that series going too long without Tobin Bell. Hmm. Bless Costas Mandalore for, for doing as well as he did, by the way. I really think I forgot he's underrated. his character's name, but Costas oh, Mandalore. It's, it's, oh, that, that's the actor, detective. by the way, not the character. Yeah, hold on. Costas um, Mandalore. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, so Godzilla came back. So, so they, Godzilla came back. So they retconned uh, the ending however, a little bit. A little bit. However, that will go on to provide uh, that will go on to provide a, a really key continuity error um, when they oh, yeah. b- when they build mecha godzilla out of the skeleton of the original godzilla so they actually did find the body well that's just suggest this was indeed a separate godzilla after all problem yeah. solved just in this one it's the same godzilla yeah they're, or at least that's what they're well, leading like, the, like, the audience to believe it's like you know in that episode of sherlock where uh sherlock and moriarty like fell off a building and died and we saw like Sherlock's corpse being like taken into the hospital and everything like that and then like next season he was alive and they never explained it (laughs) they just it's like oh he's Sherlock he figured it out and there was like even one character (laughs) he figured out death he did like there's there was a couple of theories and there was like one character on the show who didn't even like Sherlock who had become obsessed with the idea that Sherlock faked his own death and he couldn't figure out how he did it and then finally Sherlock was just like oh yes yes I I did fake my own death how'd you do it 
telling Bye. you. Bye. <laughs> I'm, I'm not telling you. Oh, yeah. Doesn't fucking tell. It's a funny bit like that in Lower Decks. When, yeah. uh, with the character, the oh, Shax yeah. died, yeah. The, the security officer. And uh, then really I, dramatic, he, really dramatic. Yeah, like he, like, he sacrificed himself yeah. to save somebody else, and he got a big fireball, and he died. And then he's just back in the next season, and none of the lower-ranking officers know how because they're lower-ranking officers. They they're not given the story. They don't yeah. know. They're not his friend. It's like so. Yeah. so How's he back? I don't know. Yeah. Well, can you should ask just, him. No, no, don't, don't ask him. Don't ask him. That's really rude. When somebody <laughs> dies and comes back, it's like it's trauma. You don't bring it up. Yeah. So you just work with him as if he was never gone. Yeah, that's that's what you got to do. <laughs> Um, anyway, we're off in the weeds. Uh, the, the story continues basically yeah, so as yeah, it did. It starts with the ship. Yeah. Uh, we, we still have that cool giant uh, yeah. sea louse. It, we see uh, less of it, but it's yeah. in there. Um, uh, it, it's, it, it hits all the plot points. You actually basically. don't. You don't need a lot of time to tell a story. Stories can be told yeah. in seconds. What we joked about uh, last week was that there was a lot more bureaucracy in Return of Godzilla. Uh, they trimmed that down. That's a lot. way down. There's a few, a few boardrooms. A few boardrooms. There's a few shots of. Uh, the uh, the prime minister mm-hmm. sort of giving a few speeches. That whole bit with the Americans and the Russians debating whether or not to use nuclear weapons is like completely gone. No, it's not completely uh, gone. It's trimmed a lot because uh, the Americans and the and the Russians are like, hey, they destroyed a Russian sub. We have all these nuclear bombs. We never get to use them. <laughs> Would you mind if we dropped some nuclear bombs on Japan? And the Japanese prime minister in the original film was torn because on one hand, we got to do something about this Godzilla thing. So he actually came home, talked to all of his, you know, everyone who worked in the government. They talked it out. Yeah. And then he returns and says, we talked it out. We're never letting you do that. That's inappropriate. (laughs) It's wrong. We have a huge history with this. It's the wrong thing to do. And the Americans, and they, and he makes analogies, is just like, would you drop a nuclear bomb on Los Angeles if Godzilla attacked Los Angeles? You wouldn't do it, right? Mm-hmm. And all the Russians and the Americans just sort of nodded their heads like, okay, fine, fair enough. Uh, in this version, they say, we want to drop nuclear bombs on Japan. And the prime minister says, just cuts right back. Mm-hmm. No. Cuts <laughs> right to the speech. They shorten the speech. Doesn't explain like all of their like history with nuclear weapons. He just says no. Japan has a hard line: no nuclear weapon of any kind will be used. Policy, and instead of cutting to the Americans, the Russians going, "All right, fair enough." It cuts. <laughs> it cuts to the Americans going, "Can you fucking believe these guys?" And then we cut to the uh, the Russian character from the original Return of Godzilla, who was a kind of a heroic character. He was trying to disarm the nuclear weapons that they had. Uh, in in and around Tokyo, it was going to like uh, connect to their Star Wars nuclear weapon delivery system in space. He wanted to disarm all of that. That was his job. And when it looked like uh, the system, because Godzilla attacked, was going to go haywire and send a nuclear bomb on Tokyo anyway, he died trying to stop it. That's right. In this movie, he is explicitly seen at the beginning messing around with the nuclear stuff and someone says hey what you doing with all our nuclear stuff and he's just like i don't care what anyone says we have to be at the nuclear ready at all costs and then later on when godzilla attacks instead of dying trying to stop the nuclear attack he dies making sure it happens yeah that's fucked actually can you imagine like your character it's one thing to have your character edited out of the movie that's bad enough yeah. But to have your heroic character turned into the villain? Can you imagine being that actor? How much that would suck? Yeah. It's like, my performance, I was doing something heroic and you decided that was evil? And you saw no difference in my performance? 
Well, that sucks. Poor guy. Um, anyway, uh, we cut a lot of shit in the middle. Godzilla attacks things in a slightly different order. Uh, but yeah, basically the second half of the movie is Godzilla devastation. And I'm watching this and I'm realizing that the American version, by adding more American characters mm. and cutting out a lot of the, the, uh, the bureaucratic rigmarole and just focusing on these characters are all running around, it starts to feel more like an Irwin Allen movie. In it's a the design, well, version. And, and specifically Ra- Irwin Allen. Raymond, I guess, yeah, specifically Irwin. I guess Raymond Burr's presence adds to that. A little bit, yeah. Have kind of like the celebrity retinue yeah. kind of lurking about in the background. Um, but he's the one who says this is a disaster. Yeah. Godzilla is a disaster. Yeah. So yeah, that's exactly yeah. why it has that vibe. In the 1970s, the big blockbuster genre uh, that really dominated uh, mm. for, for many years was the disaster movie genre. Oh, and, yeah. we, and we had a resurgence of that in the 90s with films like Independence Day and Volcano. and uh, uh, Volcano Twister. Perfect um, Storm. Yeah. There uh, but, um, yeah, films but like... The special b- effects changed and yeah. allowed disaster movies to look better. But yeah, in the 70s we had films like Airport and The Towering Inferno and Earthquake and The Poseidon Adventure. And there was, the whole thing was they would bring in these large casts of pretty prominent characters a lot of over-the-hill actors. Like yes. Actors who were a little, little past yeah. their prime by the 70s. Yeah, and younger actors as well. But the whole thing was there's a big giant ensemble. See this cast of nothing but superstars, and they're all trapped in a building that's on fire, and they all have their own stories, and a lot of them die dramatically. Mm. And it was all pretty epic, to be fair. Huge business. Huge. The Best Picture nominees. For, the Towering Inferno was nominated for Best Picture. Back when there were five nominees in the 70s when movies were good. <laughs> and they nominated the Towering Inferno. Yeah, like holy shit. It was, they were big fucking money. They were pretty well respected. And then they just burned out like most mm. movie blockbuster fads do eventually. They just yeah. eventually the audience is ready for something else. And they stop going as much and then they just peter out. Uh, I'm curious to see if the Marvel thing is going to hang on and sort of the cultural memory. I think it's going to be one of those things where certain characters are so like ingrained or have earned their like audiences like interest. Like I think Guardians of the Galaxy feels uh-huh. like a weird exception now because that did really well earlier this summer, but they over the course of two other movies, they got people emotionally invested in those characters. They earned mm-hmm. that and they got people to go at a time when people would see anything Marvel. Yeah, they lucked into that timeline. I think if you introduce Guardians now, even if it was as good as the original, it wouldn't make as much money. Right? Uh, it'd probably be okay, but but yeah, no. Like if you're not Spider Man, if you're not Batman, if you're not like grandfathered, and if you're not Wolverine or Deadpool, it's gonna be harder to get you to blockbuster billion dollar levels right now. Mm. People just aren't. We've had enough Morbiuses, we've had enough Quantum Manias that people are like, you know, just because a superhero movie's out doesn't mean it's going to be good, and we can probably wait for streaming for a lot of these. And I think that's yeah. just where we're at. I don't think they're ever going to die out. I think they're too lucrative in general, but they're going to start costing less, and they're going to be making slightly fewer of them. Yeah, and then something else will fill that void. I, I can't wait for Madame Web. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm dead serious. I want to see Madame Web. <laughs> Did you watch the trailer? Uh, I, I, a, I saw the, the trailer with in the Amazon with my father, <laughs> who was research with my mother, who was researching spiders right before she died. That's the line they put in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> that was their selling point. It's <laughs> a, a run-on sentence. Bless you, I love it. Like that and Craven the Hunter. Bring it, Sony. Yeah. Now is the time. Do, 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 no, do it seriously. Like the, this waning edge is going to be the most exciting time. Yeah. 
but anyways, so it petered out. But Godzilla in 1985 feels like that's what they were trying to evoke more mm. by cutting more to different American characters by adding some American well, star power, you know? American star power and uh, just sort of tightening it and quickening the pace. Yeah. It, this one's all action. Yeah. It is not going to bore you. There's um, not a lot of fat on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think it makes it sort of... It, it feels truncated. It feels yeah. like a little choppy. It does. Um, I've seen movies that are ostensibly complete that feel choppier. True. Uh, but True. yeah, it, it does feel... It feels like a highlight reel more than it feels like a Godzilla movie. It, it helps the, this version of the movie, which is it doesn't quite work, but it's also not unwatchable or anything. It's actually it's it's fun. If this was the only version you'd saw, you'd see an entertaining Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps that there isn't a lot of extra stuff in Return of Godzilla. It's not like one of the Ishiro Honda films where, <coughs> excuse me, there's a ton of subplot. Yeah, you know, there's a whole bunch of other characters going through major drama in their lives involving genres that have nothing to do with Godzilla that would then either get truncated and feel like kind of weirdly placed or get removed altogether. Uh, there just aren't a lot of subplots in this. It's pretty much just Godzilla's a thing. A reporter kind of has a crush on this girl. Uh, they cut out the bit where he betrays her for a photo op in this movie so that love oh, story yeah. feels a little bit cleaner. But it's still not much of a love story. It's not like the there's a huge epic sweep to it. It's just over the course of it, she's just like, yeah, he's kind of cute. Mm. He is. Yeah. yeah. Fa- fair enough. Yeah. But, eh. um, but yeah, so, oh, uh, one other thing they put in this movie that was kind of interesting was uh, when they're justifying why uh, the birds distracted Godzilla and why they can use uh, the sort of the way that we can like convince birds to go somewhere we can we can treat Godzilla like a bird. Yes. And get it to sort of migrate to where we want it to go. Um, because they say, you know, dinosaurs and birds are genetically very similar. That was not well established at the time. No. In the mid-80s, that was not universally known or accepted. That was like a theory. Mm. And nowadays, hell, even by the time like Jurassic Park was coming along, it, it was like... Like, uh, like uh, Alan Grant was like, oh my god, the dinosaurs are, are in herds, and it ends with like birds flying over the thing, mm. as sort of just like, no, we're birds now. <laughs> it turns out birds. Mm. Yeah. So Godzilla should have feathers. Godzilla's not accurate anymore. Godzilla's not a dinosaur. Well, Godzilla is a dinosaur. Godzilla is a dinosaur. In, in He's a nuclear continuity? dinosaur. Yeah. Um, they, they, I don't know uh, if they ever refer to Godzilla as a reptile. Mm. In any of the Japanese movies. That's something well, they said they, in They, they in, say in he's in amphibious, one. so he can be a reptile. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've said before, I think if you were to like sort of run, run your fingers along Godzilla's skin, I think yeah. you'd feel like a shark. That's the way I think. Like he kind of has a rough he, he, he skin. Looks, he looks pretty rocky. Yeah, yeah lo- he, he looks more like a sea creature to me than a reptile. Yeah. And there, there are, I mean, there are amphibious reptiles. I mean, he's definitely not got a, a T-Rex kind of vibe. He's bipedal. Mm-hmm. He's like got his arms kind of going like, hey, look at me. Yeah. I got my arms. Uh, I feel like Godzilla says that. Hey, hey, look at my arms. Hey, look at me. I got arms. Meh. Yeah, there's there's going to be a, a new wrinkle in a future movie where that has time travel in it. They're going to go back in time and find a dinosaur, and it turns out that dinosaur was the thing that turned into Godzilla. Okay. Yeah. How, when does that happen? Uh, I forgot which one that was. Is it in the 90s, the 2000s? This is in the 90s. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so it's, not it's, too far. It's coming up. Yeah. Not too far. That's cool. Uh, well, we'll get to it. Um, so that's kind of cool. That's a little bit ahead of its time, actually. Um, but yeah, Godzilla attacks, he does a lot of Godzilla things, you know how Godzilla does. Um, everything's 
pretty similar, except for the oh, stuff that we've talked about. And the and mm. the um, what's it called? Weapon X? No. Um, oh, SpaceX. Space? Not no, Super X. Super X. Super X is a little different. We- Weapon X is a comic book. SpaceX is a <laughs> rocket company. <laughs> not a very good one, apparently. Uh, but uh, no, uh, no. Find, finding new innovative ways to blow up astronauts. Uh, Super X in this one is explicitly said they were building like some kind of device to protect like the capital. Yeah. And it's designed to withstand extreme temperatures, just like the original. Mm. Uh, they also say, I love this, they say, like, it doesn't have, like, cadmium bullets. It has, like, it's like, oh, yeah, so we've got the Super X, and it can withstand intense uh, heat. And then someone in the the room says, mm. does it have any bombs? Oh, yeah, it's got a lot of bombs. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Like, kind of just in a vague way. Yeah. Eventually, they say they have cadmium missiles. It sounds a little bit more official. But they we do yeah. get to the Super X eventually. Um well, and we'll meet the Super X2 soon enough. Nice. It's going to be an upgraded model. In a, Super in a, X2. Super upcoming X sequel. Uh, so yeah, Godzilla attacks. They attack with the Super X. Raymond Burr's like, I don't think it's dead. And then when, like, everyone's like, oh, thanks, Raymond. That really helped a lot. And then, um, yeah, the, uh, the Russians send off a missile on purpose this time. Uh, Americans are able to shoot it down. Mm-hmm. Which is like the one thing the American they did in the original as well. It's the one thing Americans can say they actually did to help in this situation. Um, and then uh, yeah, there's uh, there's lightning. Godzilla comes back. I'm Godzilla. Remember me? And then uh, they figure out a way to get it to walk into a volcano, and it walks into a volcano. And is it just me, or ignoring the speech that Raymond Burr gives? Is it just me, or does like it feel more melancholic when Godzilla dies in this one? I feel like the music's a little different. Maybe is that just me, or is that a, is that just a maybe? Is that just me picking up on the tone? Like a I, little it, bit. It different? felt that, that way to me in the original as well. I, but... I, I feel like th- there's a lot more like pity for Godzilla in this one. Um, hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's me. Um, Godzilla dies or is thrown into a volcano. He'll be back. Uh, and it ends with Raymond Burr narrating mm-hmm. for the for the benefit of the audience in case you missed the subtle themes that we were laying down. And I'm, I'm no Raymond Burr, in case you hadn't noticed. Uh, but I'm going to do this speech. Nature has a way of sometimes reminding man of just how small he is. She occasionally throws up the terrible offspring of our pride and carelessness to remind us of how puny we really are in the face of a tornado, an earthquake, or a Godzilla. A Godzilla. A Godzilla. You just say a Godzilla. The reckless ambitions of man are often dwarfed by their dangerous consequences. For now, Godzilla, that strangely innocent and tragic monster, has gone to Earth. Whether he returns or not, or is never again seen by human eyes, the things he has taught us remain. The important thing was the Godzilla we made along the way. Um, so be I, sure I, to pay your teachers well. <laughs> I actually do like Mr. Godzilla's opus. Uh, I actually do like uh, the line, that strangely innocent and tragic monster. Hmm. Godzilla is not treated like an innocent in this movie. He's treated no. like nothing but a devastating force. But I kind of but follow, kinda, following yeah. it, it, its instincts. It's an animal. Yeah, it's innocent in that it means no ill. It's yeah. not. It's not evil. It does. It's not full of hate. You know, it's just it's, a, it's just a creature out of spite. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I actually really like that, and that's kind of been my perspective on Godzilla a lot of the time as oh, yeah. well. Where like he's. 
yeah, he's a destructive force, and there are times when something must be done to protect people from Godzilla, but also not his fucking fault. <laughs> he didn't do anything, like, he didn't ask to be gigantic and radioactive, I don't think. That's a retcon I haven't seen before, where Godzilla made a deal with the devil for this shit or something. Um, the devil lives in, in underneath the ocean, like, in, yeah. in the Pacific. No, he made a deal with uh, uh, the, the, the people of Mu. And it was just like, yes, I want you to turn me into a giant Godzilla. Well, we need to go back to formula. Back to formula! And then he, he turned him into he, green he was, gases. He was he goes, the, the, right. the subject of the, the super soldier program. There you go. He started as a human. How about that? Ooh. They injected him and just grew into this it's big a, monster. It's a great idea. Yeah. And they weren't going to call him Godzilla. They got William Fickner to play a totally different character. <laughs> and, then, and then they were like, you know what? I was going to say it's like the, game, the, the, the video game Rampage. It's like... <laughs> New food additive causes a guy to turn into a monster. Uh, anyway, um, the yeah, this 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 Godzilla movie came out, didn't it? There was a, <laughs> there uh, the American footage. I forgot to mention this. The American footage was filmed by a filmmaker named R.J. Kaiser, who only mm. has three directorial credits to his name. He's also an award-winning sound editor, and he's done like sound design for films like Master and Commander and Inception. Oh wow! Okay, so he's like a really, really, really mm. like respected. Sound designer. Yeah. I'll, Good for him. I don't think we called out uh, Koji Hashimoto, mm, mm. who directed the original Return of Godzilla I don't think last we out, time. We didn't go um, out of our way. No, sorry about that. Yeah. Because uh, Koji Hashimoto uh, only directed two films this one and another <laughs> film called Sayonara Jupiter. Yeah, which is a uh, sci fi film. So yeah. I haven't seen that one. Uh, but he was an AD on a lot of Godzilla movies prior to this, ah. uh, going all the way back to King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. And uh, he also worked with, like, he did. Uh, Latitude Zero, Invasion of Astro Monster. He did Dodeskaden. Oh, wow. The, the yeah. Oscar-winning film. The Kurosawa film that failed. Uh, it, won, the, the, it won Best International Feature. It, it did. Uh, yeah. It was the, some, something. It, it was the one that kind of ruined Kurosawa's career, and he kind of had to come back from it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he uh, was an AD on a lot of those movies. But yeah, then he came and he directed this one. Mm-hmm. That was it. It was the last film he directed. Uh, R.J. Kaiser did direct two other movies after this. Uh, one, in 1992, was uh, kind of a most dangerous game slash uh, blood sport kind of thing called Death Ring, uh, mm-hmm. starring Mike Norris and Billy Drago. Uh, the great Billy Drago, by the The great way. Billy Drago. Yeah, amazing character actor. Um, uh, he, he played uh, Frank Needy in The Untouchables. Totally historically inaccurate depiction. It's mm-hmm. a totally different guy, but God, what a great character in that movie. Uh, but he also directed a cult classic, a genuine cult classic. Like, legitimately, you watch this movie and you go, how the fuck did that get made? But also, it's really fun and, and pretty good. Uh, it was uh, co-directed, or possibly one got taken over, with Donald G. Jackson. Hell Comes to Frogtown. Oh my God, fuck that movie. <laughs> <laughs> really? That movie is a hoot. That movie is uh, stupid and, it's, and it, gross and shitty and it, it's, amazing. It, it is uh, It is all of those things. Yeah. It, it, it's enjoyable. It's, it's enjoyable. enjoyable. It's enjoyable trash. because, uh, you know, they, it, it's a ridiculous premise. Uh, yeah. They go in, It's a post-apocalyptic thriller where yeah. a species of frog people uh, live in the wastelands and uh, Roddy Roddy Piper has to go in there. I forgot to get oh no he, get something he, he uh, humanity there are a lot of mutants and they're frog mm. people but humanity is dying out because men are no longer fertile that's right Rowdy He's Roddy Piper one of is, the last fertile men yes and so uh, they need him uh, for breeding purposes and then is it Sandal Bergman 
Who's in that? Yes, it is. Sandal Bergman, like, takes him... <laughs> it's been, like, been puts a sec like since a, I've seen Hell Comes to Frogtown. I have seen it, though. Puts, like, an electric, like, buzzer or something, like, in his jock, so mm. that, like, if he tries to do things he's not supposed to do, he gets electrocuted. And they have to, like, escape from L.A. style, go in and, like, rescue some fertile women from, Bri- from, from the evil frogs. It is lurid and it's nonsense. Fuck, oh, it's yeah. very sexist. But in that... But in that in that, that it, so foolish, ridiculous, nonsensical way that you can only get so mad at it. It's just yeah. like, okay, this is... You're clearly just making a dumb movie. I can't get yeah, that I, offended I, yeah, something it's, like it's this. Yeah, it's just absolute this, this ridiculous. This is clearly not like causing ripples in the culture hell comes to frog town anyway it's absolute strange weird nonsense and if you've never seen it it's a thing i've never seen the sequels of which there is more than one yeah i haven't seen any of those i can't speak to those but by god the original is really fucking weird uh so uh so yeah that's uh that is rj kaiser Mm. uh, who directed uh the american stuff of 1985 which is again like a few days yeah, on on a mostly yeah. on a really crappy Doctor Strange love set. We uh, had to go from Gojira to Godzilla raids again, mm-hmm. to, and through a few other movies like Rodan yeah. and and uh, the Mysterians to kind of see the arc of where the Godzilla movies were to go. Mm. And for a long time, you know, they were broad and funny, but they mm-hmm. they started to get. Um, they kind of it, get more childlike. Yeah, they, well, but they were the. Uh, they didn't necessarily like take their time, but they kind of eased into the ridiculousness a little bit gently. Mm-hmm. You know, space aliens are involved, but mm. you know, Godzilla and space aliens in the same movie, not until a little while. Yeah, um, it took a little bit. Yeah, they didn't. They uh, didn't like jump into. Godzilla versus Guy Gan. It took him a while to get there. Two movies from now, we're gonna have fucking time travel. So <laughs> these things are gonna go right off the rails, yes. like right away. It's gonna get right into the bigger fantastical stuff. And I'm very excited because the next Godzilla movie is one I've never seen, but it's had a monster that has intrigued me ever since I first heard about it, named uh-huh. Biolante. Uh-huh. And Biolante is a giant killer rosebush. That's not a joke. That's an actual thing. I fucking love that. I've seen stills from this movie that just made me go, I need to fucking see this movie. Hmm. Um, this era of Godzilla wasn't like theatrically released in America except for Godzilla in 1985, so these movies weren't as widely seen by at least my people I knew in my generation growing up in the 80s and 90s. Hmm. They weren't on TV as much. Um, Godzilla in 1985, specifically the American version, is my understanding, I don't think it's ever been released on DVD or Blu-ray in America. It's VHS or Laserdisc. No, because I I rented it on on DVD. Was it an official DVD? Like not an official DVD. There was there was there was a a a series of DVDs that came out. I think in like the early two thousands, where they had like two movies in one disc. Uh It was like the two sided thing. Okay. And one of them was Godzilla vs. Biolante. I think that's how I saw it. Was it? Did you rent that or did you buy it? I rented it from Cinefile okay, Video. That, that might have been Cinefile like Video here in Los Angeles. We, that not a sponsor, but very highly recommended. Very supported by us. Um. At maybe okay, maybe I got my information wrong, but right. in any case, it's not available now. Okay. I think I think Toho put their foot down, and they're not they don't want that thing released at all. Apparently, so Dang. there you go. Uh, but you can find it online. It it can be done, and uh, it's an odd duck. Yes. this film. It's uh, odd rose. Well, that's next time. Godzilla doesn't fight a giant duck in any movie. At least not uh, yet. Biolante is Biolante. Not, not Biolante. Uh, not Hong Gigan. Gigan's Gigan's kind of a goose. 
Gigan is a bit of a silly goose, yes. Yes, a big silly razor big, big goose. Big cyber goose. Cyber goose. What was um, become ungovernable? <laughs> what was what was what was the um, what was the Gizma Duck? That was who it was. Giz- oh, the superhero in from the Darkwing Duck? Duck. Well, from Ducktales originally. Oh yeah. Invented yeah. Darkwing Duck, which is why it always pissed me off when they would say things like, "Oh, Darkwing Duck's a totally different continuity." I know it's got Launchpad, but that's like a different reality. And I'm like, Gizma Duck no. was in both fucking shows. No, it's so not, there it's, you go. It, no, it's the same universe as, as DuckTales. It should be. I've heard people who work on it say, no, it's its own separate thing. And I'm like... Duck, DuckTales is set in, in, in uh, Duckburg. Duck, Duckburg. Yes. And Darkwing Duck is set in St. Canard. Yes, agreed. And Launchpad moved to St. Canard and mm. works with Darkwing and he's, Duck. he's that's a pilot all, that's in true. both versions. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, but I've heard people say it's a separate thing. I'm like, even if you allow the... Launchpad might be like a different reality Launchpad. We they had crossover episodes. Gizmoduck <laughs> is in both shows for Christ's sake. Um, Goslin Mallard. I hope she just like beat the shit out of Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Like right, just, you know she just would. held them down and like yeah. socked them in the face. <laughs> for not really, she doesn't even need, need to be provoked. She, she was yeah. a bit of a firebrand. No, that Goslin Mallard. Goslin ruled. Um, I forgot. I don't even know how we got on this. Anyway, that's it for Thank Godzilla. It's Friday. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for joining us. If you want to listen to this episode and all our future episodes ad-free, head on over to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. You also get episodes of Thank Godzilla. It's Friday one week early. Mm. So if you're listening to this on the main feed, the free feed, if you heard a commercial in here somewhere... Uh, not not just us talking about how much we like Dr. Pepper, an actual commercial. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, you, you're listening to it on the free feed. You can head on over to the Patreon feed and you can listen to the episodes a week early and stuff. We also have... Uh, sorry for bumping that. Uh, we also have podcasts dedicated to every film ever nominated for the Academy Awards. We recently did one for all the Best Picture nominees in 1954. We decided what film should have won because we're right. Um... We do uh, our Star Trek podcast, all our yesterdays. We review every Star Trek movie ever made. And every episode. Not movie, that would take a couple of months. No. We do every episode. It's a multi-year project. And we've got over 200 episodes in the can. And it's wild. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we got commentary tracks. we got all kinds of cool stuff over there. Thank you to all of our patrons. We couldn't do this without you. You mean the world to us. If you want to send us an email, uh, we only do like one or two uh, episodes that we've got mail a month right now. We're going to hopefully... Pick that up again soon. Yeah, Yeah, sorry about that. But we do get them and we will read them on the show. Uh, Can't read all of them. We never can. But, like, we do get them. So uh, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. And we also have a P.O. Box. What is that? Yeah, send us a physical letter to the Critically Acclaimed Network. P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yes. Uh, And, yeah, we'll see you next time for Godzilla vs. Biolante. We're on the social medias at Critic Acclaim. I'm Matt William Bibiani. I'm Matt Whitney Seibold. Yeah, all that good stuff. Anyway, uh, yeah, have a great week. We'll see you next Friday, and rawr.